BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Happy Wednesday. This is a, honestly guys, like this is, this podcast feels so good. It's one of the better podcasts and because it flowed so good. There's certain dog situations and certain dog owners that you guys will be able to tell through our conversations that we, we blend together really nicely. This is a dog owner that's struggling with her 14 month old dog reacting and going after her mom in the house. So their relationship is unhealthy because the dog is resource guarding her. She has no control. She's used another trainer that was useless to her and recommended uh, medication and behavioral behaviorist and all these things. So it's a very easy thing. It's kind of sad to hear some of the things that happened, but it's a very easy thing for me to help a dog owner walk through it. Something I'm very passionate about. So you'll, you'll hear that come out in this podcast. So this is a great podcast with an owner that's struggling with very basic things. But the what we really talk about is if you have a problem with your dog, this is where you have to start. The, this is the reason why you're having a problem with your dog. And these are the things that you need to do to be successful. So it's a great blueprint of the things that we're talking about. I also talked about our new No Bad Dog. I think that's what we're going to call it. Our new No Bad Dog Kickstarter course, which essentially goes over. I've been working with dogs I've been working with behavioral modification now for a long time professionally. It's all I do. And I've recently put together a course, an online course on why dogs get like this. So instead of fixing and modifying and fixing and modifying and fixing and modifying, I took 11 week old puppy out and I said, these are the things you need to do to make sure your dog doesn't make the mistakes that some of these other dog owners make. Or if your dog is having behavioral issues, these are the things that you have to have in place before you even tackle the things. So it's a great, uh, it's, it should come out by the end of this month. But anyway, regardless, it's a great podcast. I'm coming to the UK, London uh, next month. I have one working spot ticket left. Make sure you guys, if you want to come and hang out, there's audit spots available where you guys can come and ask questions and all that fun stuff. And there's a US tour involved. Click the link below and join the members club. It's a great members club. <laughs> It's like Trump's a great members club. You're going to love it. It's wonderful. (laughs) 
Anyway, all right, you guys enjoy this podcast. At the end of the podcast, I'll be answering three of your dog training questions, so make sure you guys listen to the end, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. What do we got going on? Well, I've got a 14-month Aussie doodle who is resource guarding. It's gotten to a point where we cannot, at least my mom cannot walk around the house without him barking and lunging at her. Okay. <laughs> um, what what uh, what's your dog's name? He's Casper. C A S P E R. Okay. So, fourteen month old Aussie Doodle named Casper is resource guarding. What is what is Casper resource guarding? His food and me. Okay, and he's in, in, and you say that he's going after your your mom. Mm-hmm. He's, he barks and lunges at her. So far, we haven't seen any indication of him biting her, but that, which is why I'm speaking with you, because I don't want it to get escalated to that point. Right, yeah, I don't blame you. Definitely. Is Casper fixed, or is he intact? He's fixed. He got fixed four weeks ago. Okay. When did you start to see Casper develop some of these behavioral issues such as resource guarding? Uh, I am going to say maybe a couple of months ago. And I, at that point, when I first saw it, I thought it was cute, if you will, because at that point, my mom wasn't living with us. Mm-hmm. So she's just moved in recently. So okay. I didn't think of anything at that point, but then it sort of escalated and bubbled up when she moved in with us. Okay. Okay. So, and is it just your mom or is it, is it other people that your friends, families, or is it just your mom? Just, just my mom at this point, because she's the only one who's living under the same roof with us 24 seven. Right. With the with my friends, he's pretty familiar with them, so he really doesn't react to them. Okay. Okay. So you, okay. So a, cu- a couple things. What 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 do you do? So let's say you're sitting on the couch and your mom walks by. Casper, this is where this happens. What does it look like? Well, he starts barking at her. So I always have a leash on him. He starts barking at her. I tend to either redirect him or say no. All right. Either or or a combination of both. Right. And if it, if it gets mm-hmm. escalated, then I just take him out of the room. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten so bad right now. Our life is revolving around him. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That could be frustrating. Have you done any proper training with him before? Have you done any like official training with him? I have, but I'd met with someone who does positive reinforcement only Mm -hmm. and after four weeks of training with her she said that i have to take him back to a behavioralist uh to get him evaluated and potentially put him on medication wow i personally don't think a 14 month old puppy should be put on medication this early but i could be wrong no no i'd I'd agree as a professional who deals with uh, this sort of thing all the time. This is a very minor thing with a young dog. <clears throat> and it, that's that's just ugh, makes me sick. It's gross. Anyway, okay, so 
okay, there's a couple. I'm going to go over some things with you, and mm-hmm. the there's two big things why we typically will see this. The first thing is the relationship of the person that he's starting to resource guard, and or usually, and the relationship he has with, in your case, your mom. So we're so it's a it's a split, but then the other side of that is just what are you doing about it, right? So there's a big split. The big split is relationship. The other split is enforcement, right? What what's happening? Consequences. What's happening when we do this, right? How are we teaching the dog that this is inappropriate behavior? So instead of putting the dog on medication and bring it to a behaviorist and sitting in a room and spending all that money, there's there's a there's way more things. Oh gosh, there's way more things before that um, that can easily, most likely solve this in my experience. And so, mm-hmm. and again, that's the big split. And then there's like hey, there's like small little forks in between those splits too. And so, <clears throat> the way that I look at it is, is if your dog is resource guarding you, that tells me a little bit of information about your relationship with them. And then it also tells me the relationship between him and your mom. So if, if he's doing that with you, then here's what I usually see with relationships like this is we talk about, um, well, it goes a couple different ways, but oftentimes what we'll see is we'll see a a dog owner who has a diluted relationship with the dog which means mm-hmm. we tell the dog to do something. We tell the dog to do something. We talk to the dog often. Um, and these are things that we will see with, with these types of problems, I guess, is the dog will really feel like they can get away with some of these things, right? So if you have that relationship with the dog, that's the things that we got to start working on. So Things that we see is Casper, do this, Casper, do this, Casper, don't do this, Casper, do this. So we're talking to the dog often and we're asking the dog to do a bunch of behaviors and we're asking the dog to do a bunch of things that the dog actually doesn't know how to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because what ends up happening is, is your relationship starts to what I call dilute, like I said. So the things that you're, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf, right? Where you're asking something over and over and over and over again and you really don't mean it you're really not seeing it through you're really not enforcing anything you're just kind of hollering at the dog what that does for a younger dog is it will it can tell the dog that you're not a serious person that's in charge for the dog Meaning, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, so it, it's it's just like with employees, right? If if you have an employee or even kids or, or a spouse, whatever, there's there's confidence that comes with a point of control, right? So, okay, you're the manager, you're the boss, you're the owner, you're the you're the mom, you're the whatever, you're the person in charge, right? And then you're saying, hey, I need you to do this, and the the person that you're telling this to doesn't do it. And then you ask them again, and then they don't do it. And then you ask them again, and they don't do it. And then you ask them again, and then they don't do it. And so the so the person that you're telling is looking at you like, you know what? You don't really follow things through. You don't enforce anything. And so, so then they're going to stop looking at you for direction. And what happens with some dogs is they can get insecure, or they can be opportunistic, or they can be bratty. There's a lot of different things that kind of go 
in line with what I'm talking about here. But that's mm-hmm. these are the first couple things. So there's that. And then the other thing is is lack of accountability while you're training as well. So I know that you said that you did a positive reinforcement only trainer, which positive reinforcement only, first of all, it's, impo- it's, it's literally impossible, but uh, somebody who doesn't believe in punishment or telling the dog no is, is what we're actually talking about. And so when we're talking about a dog that doesn't necessarily have any boundaries, that's where, again, there's no filter. So the dog will literally do whatever they think that they should do, right? They're not, they're not checking their speed limit. They're not seeing if they're crossing a lot. They're not, they're not doing anything to kind of self-regulate and kind of check themselves. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like with people, mm-hmm. same exact thing. It's, it's a very simple concept. Once we start talking about it, you're like, oh man, that makes, that makes so much sense. And so, and a lot of dog owners don't have the ability to enforce and hold dogs accountable. Even if you did hire an, a positive only trainer that doesn't believe in punishment, because we don't know as dog owners, we typically don't know how to punish or correct or enforce behaviors with dogs other than yelling at them or whatever. I've heard a lot of crazy stuff, but there's, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of like assertive, efficient communication oftentimes with dog owners that comes naturally. And mm-hmm. then if you work with somebody who doesn't teach you how to hold your dog accountable, then of course you're never going to, the dog's never going to know what they're doing is wrong. So if you never punish the dog or hold the dog accountable and force things, the dog is never, ever, 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 ever going to know that what they're doing is wrong. When you're living a stressful life that is now revolving around your dog. So, I want you to, so how do you feel like when I talked about that relationship kind of ordeal, how do you feel like you kind of fall into that situation? Do you feel like that's been your relationship with Casper? Do you talk often to him? Do you say a lot of things that you don't really enforce? I mean, what is, what is the, okay. Okay. So. And a lot of times anything that I say to him is on deaf ears unless, you know, I I, I Mm -hmm. have a formal body language. And that's when he understands things. But for the most part, I would have to say that we've got zero boundaries. Mm-hmm. I do believe that there is a, an insane level of codependency. He follows me around everywhere, everywhere. It does not matter what time of the day it is, how much he has been exercised, how much mental stimulation he has. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't fall into the equation at all because he's just following me all day, every day. And I work from home, so I really don't step out of the house per se during the day. Right. Okay. Okay. So I want to talk about things that you can start doing to create more boundaries and to start. Mm-hmm. So when we, so uh, boundaries and um, yeah, let's just say boundaries. Boundaries is a great big application of a relationship so if you have boundaries with the dog it shouldn't just be for when your dog is resource guarding or it shouldn't just be if your dog is barking and lunging at your mom boundaries should it's not applicable just for one thing boundaries should be set across the board and so when you start setting boundaries at a at a small what i call a micro a small level you'll be able to apply a boundaries 
at a macro or a bigger level in the future, right? So what I typically do is I start with the basic obedience, with the basic levels of boundaries, which oftentimes is thresholds or basic obedience. So for an example, this means going up to a door, Casper sit, Casper goes into a sit. Because of your relationship and because of my experience, you're going to grab the door, Casper's going to get up. That's your first opportunity to start setting boundaries. So you're asking him to do something that he knows, which is a basic sit, right? And you're then providing maybe a distraction or an anticipatory, hey, we're going to run through that door when it opens because this is what we always do. And then he's going to try to fly out that door. And your boundary is you have to listen to me before you just act or before you do. So that's the first step of setting boundaries to a dog. You're not you could you could just go out and correct him for barking at your mom, but it's not going to be as I think successful long-term sustainably if you just start using it just with that one thing. I think you just I, I think overall you're you if your dog is codependent with you, I think you just need an overall like reset on your relationship in general. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. these are the things that I'm talking about. So boundaries is boundaries need to be set. Like just like if we learn a new language, we're not going out downtown and trying to talk in full sentences. We're learning very small words, how to pronounce things, how to say things. And then over a couple of weeks, we're starting to put them into sentences and so on and so forth. Okay. So as you're developing these boundaries, he'll start going, oh, you're in charge. So basically, again, you go up to the door, Casper sit. You grab the handle, he gets up, you put him back into a sit. You grab the handle again, you start opening the door, he hears this, the, cre- the screech of the door starting to open, he's going to get up. And what you need to do is you need to keep him into that sit until you give him a break command. This is a very basic, this is like one of the best ways to start developing boundaries and starting to shift a relationship with the dog. Because up until then, you go up, you, this is how it normally goes. You go up to the door, Casper sit, Casper sit, Casper sit. He finally sits, if he sits, you grab the door handle, he pops up, and then you just open the door and let him out, or you ask him to sit again a couple more times. And so, again, think about it like a manager. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. You're co- and if you're not, <clears throat> like if, if I told one of my employees or anybody that worked for me that I needed something done and they didn't do it time and time and time and time and time again, and I just kept asking, they're going to keep just shrugging it off their shoulders, right? Mm-hmm you got to hold them accountable and you got to say, wait a minute, what am I, chopped liver? I'm, try- I'm asking you to do something because this is my job. I was, I was put into this position for a reason. I have thumbs and you don't, dog. This is what we have to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So those are the basic things. The other thing that you can do is the, the break command is huge into this um, um, sequence that we're talking about. And the break command is just a release cue, release command. You could say free, you could say break, but you have to start teaching him these very valuable things of something very basic and then, okay, break. So essentially what it, what it should look like, you go up to a door, Casper sit, he doesn't sit. You give him a little bit of pressure on the leash, you give him a little bit of pressure on his rear end, he goes into a sit. As soon as you grab the door, if he gets up, same thing. You have to make sure that he listens to that sit until you then release him. You grab the door. You open the door, you wait a second, you say break, and then you break them out. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, yep. That's going to put you in the driver's seat. So 
that so a lot of people will be scratching their head like what does that have to do with what is me asking my dog to sit and stay or sit until I open the door and a threshold have anything to do with my dog reacting to my mom? Well, it's because two things. Remember, we talked about this split. Your dog may not think that you know what you're doing, may not have a lot of confidence in you, may not look at you as a leader, may not look at you as somebody who's in charge. So these types of exercises will play out at a big macro because of all the little micro, hey, do this. Okay, break. Hey, do this. Okay, break. So you're starting to reverse the role and put yourself in the driver's seat. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Now, the other thing is, is just basic accountability. So these are. this is also where we talk about uh, enforcement. So I would recommend just a basic slip leash. Obviously, um, you. I don't, I don't know what you have, but I would recommend a basic slip leash. We have them on our website. Uh, you could get them. Like if you wanted to start today, you can go down to Benson, or I'm sorry, you can go down to PetSmart or Petco or one of these big box stores and get one. They're not okay. they're not going to be as nice. I like a really thin slip leash. Do, are you familiar with the slip leash? I am. I am. I've seen it in some of your videos. On, Perfect. Yeah. So all it does is it, it when you put it on, it applies a little bit of pressure right behind the dog's ears, which kind of gives you that power steering ability to just like a horse. Like we're not, you know, like some people will use harnesses and stuff and that just enables dogs to pull. Um, we're going to use a, we're going to use a slip leash to control the head. Wherever the head goes, the mind goes, right? It's a very basic animal knowledge. So that's what I would recommend. I would get one off my website if they're still available. Um, but also like if you wanted to start tonight or in between, you can go down okay. to a, a, a pet store and grab one. I'll just really quickly, the difference between like my slip leash and the slip leash that you'll go and get at maybe um, the pet, pet PetSmart or something is the PetSmart one isn't going to have like a really sturdy stopper and it's going to be thick. It's going to be like a, like a marine rope. It's going to be like a thick rope and you're not going to have as much distinction in your corrections. But if you use like a smaller slip like mine, mine's more like a like a training leash, and then it has a stopper that actually won't move unless you remove it. Okay. So I just wanted to point that out. All right. So anyway, so that's where you're going to start holding him accountable. So right now, when you ask him to do something and he doesn't do it, he really isn't getting punished at all. He's just, he's, you know, whatever, what are you going to do about it? So you may ask him again, you may yell at him, you may push him out of the way or remove him from the situation. But mm-hmm. it's not it's not actually, you know, doing doing anything, right? So dogs are very physical, very assertive, like in the moment being like that there are things, that's what they are. They're very like you know, that's just how they are. I mean, you just gotta be really assertive with the situation. You really gotta make sure that you're when you ask him to sit or you ask him to stay or anything like that and he doesn't you have to make sure that you're holding him accountable in order for him to really listen to you. Because if you're not, then why would he listen to you? Dogs aren't like, oh, you're mad? I'll stop doing this. Or, you know, whatever. They're, they just, they're very opportunistic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So by correcting this behavior, you'll just, so again, you start with the small and then you go with the big. So you start micro, macro. So what you'll do is, you'll get the slip leash out and then you'll start working on the sit and the thresholds. So you'll do Casper sit and he goes, Nope, I'm not sitting. Cause I'm excited to go out the door. 
and then you pop them on the collar and you give him a correction for that. Okay. So for the first time, he'll go like, oh, you know, uh, you're, you're correct. You're enforcing it, right? So you're actually holding him accountable when you're asking him to do something that he knows. Okay. Then what you do is you, I would encourage you to do like I have five pillars of basic stuff that I, I like to work on with dogs and it's the heel command, which is walk nicely in the leash. It's the place command, which is go to your place on command. It's the break command. It's the recall. And it's usually like the stay if you're not doing implied stuff. So what I would do is, do you have like a place command or a bed command or anything like that? I do. I mean, I've just, and I'm going to be honest, I've just started incorporating that with him. It's perfect. I just got an elevated bed. So we've been practicing it for about a week now. That's perfect. So listen, anything that you can teach him, right? So the more you can teach him, the more you can hold him accountable for things. And then in long, the more he'll listen to you, the more that you're in the driver's seat, the more that he's engaged with you, the more that he respects you, the more that he's going to be looking at you. So basically, um, think about like him reacting to your mom as like the big game. That's like the big test, okay? The resource guarding to your mom is like the big deal, right? And then Mm -hmm. all of the little stuff that I've been talking about is the practice. So that's what you have to be doing is you have to say, okay, we're going to work. So essentially your goal is is to teach him him something new and then hold him accountable because that's what's happening right now is he's – doing things that he's like, oh, I'm just going to do this. Oh, I'm just going to do this. And he's not used to ever being held accountable. He's not used to being corrected. He's not used to being told no. He's not used to being enforced on anything. If if he wants to do something and and that's it, then he, that's you just have to pull him out of the room, right? Or throw treats at him, likely that your other trainer did. And that, that does right, everything right, you, right. Don't, you don't. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to, if we're trying to discourage something, you can't use positive reinforcement by definition because positive reinforcement is to encourage a behavior to happen again. We do not want to do that. So what you want to do is all of the little stuff that we're talking about, go to, so let's, for a place, right? So we say, okay, Casper, you get your treats out, you get your leash out, you get your place caught out. You say, Casper, go to your place. And he goes over there and let's just say like he starts to know it and he's starting to get good at it, right? He goes over there. He's excited. He's like, woohoo, cool. And he gets to his place. You pay him. Yes, good place. You mark it. You pay him. And then he's ready to get off because I don't know, maybe something's going on in the other room or he smells dinner cooking or whatever, right? He's Mm -hmm. something's going on and he starts to walk off. Boom. Correction. On the leash. You hold him accountable. You say, "What, what, what am I? Chop liver? You can't just, and that's the, that's the relationship you want to start building. So, so like what, if I train one of my, well, if I train my personal dog, she's always going to look at me for direction. She's basically what she's doing. She's asking for permission. She's like, so if I tell her to place, right. And I take a ball and I chuck it across the room and it's her favorite thing in the whole world. She's going to turn around and look me dead in the face and wait for me to say break. And then she's going to go get the ball. So she's not going to be staring at the ball. She's going to be looking at me because she knows that I unlock the ball because she's got to ask for permission because she, she, 
she has boundaries and she has, so I told her to do something, which is go to her place. The ball goes flying across the room. Normally dogs would be like, yep, I'm out of here. And they immediately d- disregard what their owners just said. And they go and they, they get to the ball, right? That's what's happening mm-hmm. with you. You're sitting at the couch. So again, so the things that I'm telling you covers both of the problems you're having. The first problem of the split of you, you don't have a good relationship with them because you've diluted it so much and he doesn't listen to you and he doesn't look at you for direction. And then the other thing is, is you, you don't hold him accountable. So those two things. So potentially the reason why he's reacting of the codependency is because of your relationship. So the more you work on that, the less reactive he's going to be. And then the flip side on the other side, the reason why he's continuing to react is you haven't ever punished him or told him that he shouldn't do that effectively. You could yell at him until he's blue in the face, but he doesn't understand English. So unless you assertively reach out and go, hey, that's inappropriate. We're not doing that to my mother. He's not going to understand that that's wrong. So by applying these two things, you will see a world of difference with your dog. Your dog will be calmer. Your dog will listen to you more. Your dog will look at you and engage with you. All of these things will happen as soon as you start implementing these things. Because oftentimes, dog owners will get dogs because we love them and they're cute and they're good companions. Sometimes the spouse loves them, the kids love them, whatever. Whatever whatever reason we get the dogs, right? But we don't teach them boundaries and we don't teach them the things that they can and can't do. I just created a what we call like the No Bad Dog Kickstarter course and it goes over these things. So I, I primarily work with behavioral cases, right? So I work with dogs who are aggressive, reactive, anxious, insecure, all the above. Sometimes basic stuff, but not often. Mm-hmm. And and I created a course that goes over the, the reasons why dogs get like this. So I, I'm so busy creating content for years and years and years of like taking dog from this point and then helping them and modifying. But I, I've never really talked about why these things are happening. And so we created a course with a pup, 11-week-old puppy, and I did exactly what I'm talking about to you. It's a very natural thing for me to get into because all of the dogs that come in with behavioral problems all lack the same thing, is they don't have a foundation. And a foundation not only tells us and the dog and you that you can't ask your dog to do anything. So we're like, hey, I don't want my dog to bark at my mother anymore. I'm like, well, you can't even get your dog to sit, so we can't talk about behavior. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it goes into basic, you know, basic relationship and all that stuff. So anyway, these are the things that you need to start to do in order to start seeing differences, but you'll see major differences as soon as you start implementing these things. Okay. Okay. How do you feel about all that? Does that make sense? It does make sense. I think my only question would be in the disclaimer that I'm going to give before my question is he's my first dog so I've had I have zero experience with being a pet owner in the past Mm -hmm. is is there anything that I can do immediately like in that moment of him reacting to her yeah is there anything that I can because to be honest we both start freaking out and then he starts freaking out so the air in the room is just Mm -hmm. freak at a hundred at a hundred degrees yeah yeah yeah, exactly. And so that I'm glad that you told me that because you don't want a leader and somebody that's supposed to be in charge to freak out, right? 
That's what you don't want, you know. That's kind of like the opposite of what you want. You're supposed to be the person in charge, right? So like a kid, if you're watching a scary movie or you're going through a haunted hallway, you know, in Halloween and your kid gets scared and starts screaming and then you start screaming, your kid's going to go over the limit. They're like, "Oh, this is if if mom's afraid, I'm now I'm really afraid, right? You're supposed to be the beacon of light here." So Yes, this is something that like, to be honest with you, if I came to your house, I would be able to see drastic changes and or stop your dog from reacting to your mom within a half an hour. Hmm. And I'm saying that because I've done it so many times and judging by this breed and the age and the thing, all of the things that, no offense, but all the things that you're doing wrong. Right. It's not going to take long for somebody to come in and do something right for things to go the way we want it. Because everything is being being done wrong right now, right? Correct. We're yeah. not That we're, I would agree with. Yeah. We're not correct. So we have a dog that's doing things we don't like and our world is now revolving around our dog and we're getting referrals to a very expensive behaviorist, we're using trainers, we're we're signing up for consultations, etc., right? But the reality is, is you've never told the dog no effectively. So we've never, we've never corrected the dog for the behavior. So if you get yourself a slip leash and you go into the room and you say, mom, I want you to walk in and out of the room and he starts to growl and lunge and you correct him and you say, leave it and you pop that collar, you should see changes immediately if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. but what you don't want to do is elevate with him. So he's going to start to go, and he's going to start to build. He's going to start to build. And as he builds, you have to stay calm. Don't yell. Don't match his energy because that's going to make things worse. It's like one drunk guy trying to calm another drunk guy down. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. need, you need mm-hmm. some sobriety here. You know what I mean? You need a grounding mechanism. So he starts to build. And then you just very assertively leave it and then you correct the dog, right? Now, if you watch my videos, because I can't really explain it visually here, but if you watch my videos, you'll see how to correct a dog properly because that's the other thing, right? It it takes a certain experience and skill set in order to correct the dog properly because you could have all the tools in the world, right? You can show up to the job site with your hammer and your nails and your tape measure and you have the whole Home Depot package going on in your truck. But if you don't know how to use them, your house isn't going to get built. So that's something I would encourage you to do is check out my videos on how to correct a dog. Making sh- Because and to, to make it simple, you don't want to pull the dog away. You want to pop the dog's collar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, people pop. will pull. Are you popping up or left or right, or does it really matter? Great question. It does matter. It depends on where he is in 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 orientation with you. So let's say in a perfect world, here's what I would do: is I would stand up, I would put him on your left side, and I'd say, "Okay, mom, walk in and out." <clears throat> and then as she starts walking in and out, if if he's on your left side and your leash is also in your left hand, you'd be popping like straight towards you. So you'd be pulling, you'd be popping like towards you. And does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like almost to the side. So you're going to take that slip leash 
and you're going to, if he, again, if let's just think out loud here, if he's standing next to you, the slip leash is going to go to his, the right side of his neck, which is going to go right towards you with your left leg. And he starts mm-hmm. to build and you snap, you go, Hey, knock it off. And essentially what a correction does is it changes the path of something, right? So he starts to work on a behavior that then escalates into other things. So he starts to build. So if I started to go off the road and I hit the rumble strip and I turned my, you know, the goal of that is, is to turn my car and straighten it out, correct myself, right? So that's kind of what you're doing here is, is he starts to build and you're discouraging that build, but you're also snapping him out of that build and it gives him an opportunity to think. So he starts, so here's, here's what a lot of times will happen. Okay. So a dog is sitting there and they're not mean, they're not aggressive. They're not innately a bad dog, right? They just, over the years, they've realized I have an unhealthy relationship with my mom because of lack of boundaries. I'm going to be protective, <clears throat> etc. And so what ends up happening is, is your mom starts to come in. He's like, mm, no, get out of here. This is my, this is my, my owner. This is my person, you know, whatever. And she, your mom starts to come in and, and your mom's probably going to be nervous too. And so he can pick up on that pretty easily. And so what you need to do is put your arm down and relax. And the, you have to be, you have to be very assertive with what is wrong when we correct a dog. Right. So when we put pressure on a dog, excuse me, when we put pressure on a dog physically, it's a lot like horsemanship. I don't know if you've ever been horseback riding at all, but it's kind of the same principles. If you apply pressure to a horse historically, they're going to do something. They're going to react to that. They're going to yield to that pressure. So if you pull the reins to the right, they're probably going to go to the right. If you pull the reins to the left, they're probably going to go left. If you pull back, they're going to stop. If you keep pulling back, they're going to back up. They know to yield to pressure. They've been taught that, right? Mm-hmm. So they it's a it's escape training essentially. They're escaping the pressure through compliance. That doesn't mean it's it's uh, aversive. It doesn't mean it's it's a correction. It just means it's pressure. They just have to respond to that. They have to yield to that, right? So my point is, is if you even apply a little bit of pressure to that horse, they're going to move, and so you have to learn very quickly to let go of your reins, stop putting pressure on the animal, and it's the same thing with dogs. So if you're standing there and uh, a cor- <clears throat> excuse me, a correction or a pop on the collar means no, stop, and you are half mass before your mom even walks into the room, two things. Not only are you already giving the dog um, a halfway correction, but you're also telling the dog that you're anticipating bad behavior, which you don't want to do. Because then it frames mm-hmm. your then it frames your mom even worse. Right. Because then he's going to go, oh, okay, you're nervous, and then boom, it walks your mom, and then you get more nervous, and then boom, he's like, yep, that's the problem, that's the that's the cause right there, that's the leak in the in the ship. So you have mm-hmm. to remain. So you're you're standing there, you're nice and relaxed. The leash is in one hand and your left hand, and the moment you start to hear anything out of him, you correct him, leave it, boom. You pop him on that collar. Okay. And and so I'm making notes as you talk. Sure, about. sure. And that's how you would do that. Pop and redirect, or just pop. Mm. 
it just depends. There's there's a lot of dogs. Um, like I just put a dog. I just put a video out on my YouTube channel with a dog named Creature. He's a like a little Amstaff dog. So he's a terrier. He's very very prey driven. Very locked in. He locks in like crazy. And so we did some redirection with him. But you could redirect. Um, but you just have to. It's a very simple game, especially with the dog that is not dealing with severe behavioral complications because of genetics likely anyway right meaning this dog has just gotten the way that he is because of the lack thereof so when you're it, it's very simple it, again it's just like kids when when your dog does something that we don't like they don't understand english you can talk to them until you're blue in the face they don't care they don't understand it it's not going to help you. What you have to do is you have to assert yourself in a way they go, oh, that was bad. That wasn't good, whatever. So when you say, leave it, you're pairing that with a correction, like an actual physical pop on the collar. Leave it, pop. And the goal of this is in the future, you just say, leave it, and the dog goes, okay, I'm disengaging, I'm out. Because in, in the past, they've been corrected for it. So they're disengaging for those reasons. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so then the overall goal is when they make a good decision is you pay them. You go, good, leave it. And then you pay the dog. So you can redirect in certain scenarios, like maybe if it's in a tight spot, if you have a very small home and you don't really have a lot of room to work in and redirecting the dog may be the best thing, or it could be redirecting because the dog is too hyper-focused because of the, again, the genetics, like the dog I just put out, Creature, on my YouTube. It's a very locked-in dog, and that's not going to change because the dog's genetics. So you can do redirection, but you don't want to do redirection to avoid the actual problem because you'll never solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So you can do redirection for some reasons, but... Anyway. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. But, but ultimately, does. your job is to say, it's called operant conditioning. So it's, it's, it's operant conditioning is essentially what everyone uses in the world. Kids, people, employees, everybody uses, op- everybody uses operant conditioning, which is essentially your job as a leader and the person in charge is to reward the dog when they do something that we really like and that we love and we want to encourage to happen again. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, of course, because we don't live in a perfect world, our job is to also correct the behavior when our dog does something that we don't like, we want to discourage and we do not want to see it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So those are the things that we have to really focus on in order to be successful moving forward. Okay. So leave it, correction. If the dog leaves it, you pay the dog, whether verbally or with food. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does makes sense? It, it, it really is. Sorry, I'm just making a few notes here. I may have a question for you. Okay. No problem. 
Okay, so that is for the problem inside the house. Would it, how how do I work on creating that relationship between him and my mom, or should I even do that? It that's going to be all predicated off of her. I if she's not if she's not going to do well with the things that you need the dog to do, I wouldn't ask her to do it. Yeah, she wouldn't. She won't. I know that. So I wouldn't, I would just keep that relationship the way it is. Okay. I think, I think with the, with the, maybe with your mom, because she's already got this like relationship going where she's probably timid and afraid. I would just, I would just very simply not like have, you know, like her handle the dog. Okay. Yeah, because I, he, we have a lot of issues when we're outside the house as well. So I don't believe, okay, I'm in agreement with you because. Right now, I'm working with some of his reactivity outside the house as well. So throwing her into the equation just might backfire. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, just because she's not ready for that, you know, she's not ready for, you know, you just don't want to bite off anything that you can't chew. Yeah. And I think yeah, that, yeah. that I think that that will end up happening. Okay. So, mm -hmm. anyway. So. Yep. I that's, think that. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go I was ahead. just going to say that's going to be your ticket. That's it. That's the, I mean, in, in short, your dog's relationship with you is unhealthy because of the lack of accountability and boundaries. And I'm saying that from years and 10, 10 to 12 years of specializing in behavior modification. And what I mean by that is, is what do all of the dogs that I work with have in common? And it's exactly that. There's no boundaries and there's no accountability. Mm -hmm. My dog has a big behavioral problem. I don't like it. My question is first, how's your relationship with your dog? Does your dog listen to you when you say things? No. Okay. Can't, can't move on. Or okay, your relationship with your dog is decent. You have decent obedience. Have you actually corrected the dog when they do something that we don't like? No. Boom. You're dealing with both those things. Yeah. So once you start developing, take, take two weeks. I would do 10-minute sessions as often as you can throughout the day for about two weeks of thresholds, breaks, and boundaries. And I would almost, I don't guarantee anything, but I know you'll see very, very good results if mm. you follow through with that. Okay. I can start practicing today. Yes. Seems easier, but I really don't think it would be. Good. It's very, it's, it's in theory, it's very easy. Again, it's just because you've, you've been doing everything wrong. How long, yeah. how long did you work with the, with the, uh, Positive reinforcement only trainer. Six weeks. Yeah. So that's that's over a month of, of 
if you did two weeks of boundaries and assertiveness, it'll, you'll see, you'll see immediate changes. Mm-hmm. Cause you've been beating around the bush this whole time. Yeah. You know what I mean? You haven't done anything about the actual problem at all. Yeah, I've been tiptoeing around him, and I'm going to admit that. To the point where my life revolves around him, I don't have a social life. I can't have people come home. Yeah, it shouldn't be like that. But you yeah. have to here. You have to realize that all of that is exactly, exactly it's on you. Yeah. That's yeah. why. And and but but you know what? I'm really happy that you found me because there's a lot of dog owners who don't have the opportunity to find me for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And they go down this path of I'm rewarding my dog for good behavior and I'm avoiding the situation and I'm not seeing results and I'm continuing to live in a bubble or even worse, I get rid of the dog and I bring it to a shelter for very big ba- that. I mean, so many dogs end up in the shelter for the basic things that you're talking about because they hired a trainer that wasn't beneficial. I mean, positive reinforcement training is absolutely wonderful it's what i do probably 98 percent of my training is reward-based systems good 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 but the moment the dog does something that we don't like we completely discourage that so we don't see it again that's it mm-hmm. there's just some people who don't have that in their toolbox and that's why so many dog owners struggle the way that they do is because they're missing the other half of life of boundaries it's not all rainbows and butterflies and hot dogs that's not realistic or fair. It's very inhumane, to be honest. But yeah. that's what you're missing. So I think that you do this for a couple of weeks, you'll see great changes. At what point should I be more alarmed or concerned than where I am right now? Um, like I said before, I think with my experience with with what you're doing and who this dog is, I don't think you should be, uh, okay. So from, from what you're telling me, I don't think this dog is dangerous, but I can, can, I can see this dog continuing to run your life unless you start doing things the right way. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think you should already be alarmed because not only do you not have a social life because of your dog, but your dog is not happy. Yeah. Right. So there's, there's a, it's a lose, lose situation because your dog is, is not happy because you've created this world and this relationship with this dog unhealthily. And then you also have to walk on eggshells and so does your mom in your own house and you can't have, you, you, you don't have a social presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One more question, a sli- maybe slightly different topic. So mm-hmm. as I mentioned that I work from home and I really don't have a very active social life. So he and I have never been separated. But I think I want to start introducing that, even if I have to go and sit in my car for 30 minutes or an hour. Um, yeah. Or just like if if you're gonna be if you're gonna be with him and you're gonna be hanging out with him at home, I would highly recommend just doing more structured stuff with him. So there's a lot of people who including myself. I mean, I, I work a lot. Um, 
with everything that I do. And so I don't necessarily go out and do a bunch of things. I'm usually home with my dogs working, but as long as you have good structure, that's all that really matters. Like you got to focus on the things that you need to be doing. Like don't Mm -hmm. run away from the problem. Say, okay, how can I make this better? How can I make this more structured? How can I make this healthier? And grab a leash, grab your treat pouch and go and start creating boundaries. Go and start creating a, a training routine. Okay. The answer is yeah. I mean, yeah. If you want to go sit in your car and listen to music or a podcast, you can. I, I mean, I'm, I don't think that that's bad. I'm just saying what I would do is I'd be practicing like long downstays on the place cot as you're doing the dishes or as you're cooking dinner or as you're, uh, you know, whatever you're doing, talking to me, right? Like these are the things right. that you should be doing. So you can you can get away from your dog manually without leaving the house by by doing obedience, you can't do that yet because you don't have obedience. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. Cool, yo. Cool. I think I have all that I needed. Is there anything else? I don't think so. I think um, I think if you start implementing these things, the only other thing I would say is if your dog doesn't respond to the slip collar then that's where you would move up to like the prong collar and other things Mm -hmm. but i think the slip will be fine for now and then if if it's not working um you could either i mean my videos are literally people come in and spend a bunch of money on training and then we record and we put together the most beneficial information and we put it in 4k on youtube for free for people so mm-hmm. I would recommend continuing to watch some of my videos and, and watching some of the process of other dogs. But you could also sign up for another consultation too with me, but that's what I would do. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate your time and guidance today. Yeah, you're welcome. Best of luck. All right. Thank you. All bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go over your three dog training questions Remember, if you want me to answer your specific dog training questions, all you have to do is head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review and your question. If you guys are listening on Spotify, I would really appreciate the review regardless, and let's get into it. This one is from Platter Pillar, and I've read this uh, review, so I'm going to give you guys the breakdown really quick. Hey, Tom, loving the podcast. I've implemented your tools and elevated beds, and things are going really great. Everything that we've done so far makes sense for us, but we have a new fee Wyman Imer rescue mix that we adopted three months ago. And she basically wants to go after the chickens. So she's going after the chickens. So what do we do? Uh, I think the best thing that you can do is start muzzle conditioning. So spend about a week introducing the muzzle to your dog because that's obviously going to keep everybody safe as you're practicing, excuse me, this training process. So that's the first thing, muzzle conditioning. That'll keep the chickens safe. That'll make you less stressed, etc. Uh, and then I think what you what you can do is you can start then by working around the chickens and helping because I think chickens running away such a prey drive uh, trigger these little uh, clucky little noisy chickens running around your yard with feathers I mean that's like a prey prey drive like gold mine <laughs> so that's what I would do is I would get around the chickens and start working on leave it uh, using just your leash and uh, correcting the dog. Um, I, but the key to this is, is making sure that you allow your dog to smell and to be 
um, I guess, neutral around the dog. So we're not looking for the dog to never look at the dogs. We're not looking for the dog to not smell the dogs or go up to the chickens, sorry, go up to the chickens, smell the chickens, etc. What we're really looking for is neutralized. So if you keep the dog away from the chickens over and over and time and time and time again, it's very likely that your dog is going to continue to be obsessed and frustrated and chasing the chickens. So I would put her into the chickens in the area where they're roaming and just work on leave and work on saying like, hey, this is how you behave around chickens. Uh, other than that, uh, definitely the remote collar. That's going to be your best buddy, especially living on a farm. I suggest anybody living on a farm uh, when you're dealing with potentially dangerous situations for your dog or for your livestock, including chickens or including uh, bears and other things depending on where you live, uh, the e-collar is going to be your best buddy. You can clip it on you, you, go out in the morning, you do your thing, your dog does their thing, and uh, you have your oh crap button just in case. So e-collar training is going to be your best buddy as well. So hopefully that helps. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. My girl, The next one is ADTDG. My girl was uncommonly good. As a person going through the grieving of her girl crossing the rainbow bridge, this podcast has made us laugh. It reminds us that she taught us about dogs, how to listen, and how to ask. She was a German Shepherd Aussie mix with devoted, with devotion and energy. I was eight, and we were best friends. 16 years later, my boyfriend wants another. Too soon for my devotion. But with... With puppy sitting comes a lot of <clears throat> mitigate, mitigating and the puppy fever is stemming. <laughs> it's funny. Um, thank you for, for the help and all these random issues. And we see our friends go through so we can make them more comfortable with the care until we go home to their parents. That's great. So thank you so much for the review. Appreciate it. Most helpful podcast out there. Becca bombing, bomb ham. I should just make a, just make a freaking content creation of me just butchering people's names because I'm just terrible at it. Anyway. Becca, let's get into it. I have a I have a year old lab who is reactive towards other dogs. He's on a prong collar, and we use your e collar, which gives us a lot of success. We live in an apartment complex with a lot of other dogs. His obedience is good, but something when other dogs are around, he lunges and barks, and there's nothing I can do with the prong or the e collar to make a difference. The most reaction happens when we're out in the potty break, and it's and not necessarily walking around. When he reacts on the walks, he gets over it very quickly, and we can continue on our walk. He is a very friendly dog, and a lot of his reaction stems from wanting to go up to the other dogs. I think that my correction is too slow, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I would say your correction is probably not on time. You're also probably not countering uh, timely. So if you see these other dogs, you should be countering way before he sees these dogs. Um, and then also making sure that your equipment is placed properly. So oftentimes we see a lot of uh, dog owners not using the prong collar in the right position. So absolutely make sure that your prong collar is snug right behind the ears and it's fit properly. You don't want a prong collar that's too big that's hanging down on the dog's neck because it'll be very ineffective. Um, I would suggest to you, Becca, I don't know if you have, but listening to the, I don't know what episode it is, but it's the um, dog reactivity blueprint. It's a fantastic episode and you guys will hear me and you probably already have referred to that podcast before because I go over this question in detail for an hour. And so instead of me saying a bunch of things I've already said um, and wasting your time and mine, best thing to do is go and check out that podcast because we talk about it a lot. The timing, um, the the exercises you need to be doing to be successful. And then of course, the uh, the 
course that we're about to put out this month is also going to be really helpful for you. So if you're listening to this in the future, we're creating the No Bad Dogs Kickstarter program, which is basically a course that goes over everything that you're talking about. My dog is reactive. Boom, this course is is for you. These are the things that you need first before you tackle any behavioral issue. So anyway, all right, you guys, that's the three. I'm going to be answering uh, a lot of dog training questions coming up. So make sure you guys subscribe and listen and review and all that fun stuff. I appreciate you guys a lot. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.